Good morning, church family. It's happy to see you all. See, there's still people coming in. Can I invite you to stand? We just want to welcome you all. We're going to welcome our online guests, wherever you are watching us from. We know that you will be blessed. Pastor Steve's got a, a really, really, really good word for us. Can we pray together? Dear Father God, thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you that you are always faithful towards us, Lord. Thank you that we can walk in freedom, knowing that what you did on the cross is perfect. It's finished, Lord. Thank you that we can be faithful to you. Thank you that you are always there for us. Thank you that you provide for us. Thank you that you are always, always faithful, Lord. We put our trust in you. We lift up your name, Lord. We want to praise you today. There is no God like you. There's no, no God above you, no one beside you, Lord. And we want to praise you. We want to love on you, Lord. We just want to rejoice and lift up your name. We thank you, Lord, for every special, special blessing. Thank you for our families. Thank you for your grace, Lord. We worship you. You are our foundation. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Let's praise God.
and the last there will be no there will be no other god before you there is no one there is no one above you no one beside you nobody like you there will be no other god before you Who else can lead us, lead us to freedom? No one, no one, no one. Who else can heal all our sins and diseases? No one, no one, no one. And who else can walk, walk on the water? No one, no one, no one. And who else can answer, answer by fire? And who else can bring down the tallest of giants? No one, no one, no one. And who else can silence the roar of the lion? No one, no one, no one. And who else is worthy, worthy of worship? No one, no one, no one. And who else is worthy, worthy of worship? No one, no one, no one. Nobody, nobody like you. Nobody, nobody like you. There's no one, no one, no one, no way. No one, no way. Oh, praise God! I searched and I found nobody like Jesus. I searched and I found nobody like Jesus. Yeah, I've looked and I found nobody like. Nobody like Jesus. Who can love me like Jesus? Nobody like Jesus. Who can provide for me like Jesus? Nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. I say nobody, 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 nobody. Say nobody, 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 nobody. Say nobody, 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 There will be no other God before 
beside you Nobody like you There will be no other God before you No one, no one, no one Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand Everything around me shaken I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus You've never let me down You're faithful through generations So why would you fail now? You won't I've still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense So I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength Cause I've built my life on Jesus You never let me down You faithfully
service today. Sins will wash away on Calvary. 
There is nothing more to do than to run towards you. Oh, Jesus, I know you love for me. Spirit, I know you're in me, and I know you're always leading me to victory. Oh, the gift from my Father, resurrection power. Holy Spirit, you always comfort me. To know that you will never fail me, the Spirit, you're my helper now and forever. So I will sing of your goodness. I will sing. Holy, you are worthy of my 
change, you stay the same. My Redeemer in your name, I will sing of your power. I will sing of your love. Jesus, you're here in my heart. Yes, I will sing of your goodness, of your faithfulness. I will sing of your wonder working power. I will sing of your love for me, Lord. I will sing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of Lord, we praise you this morning. You are so worthy of our praise. Lord, you are a, a good, good God. And this morning, Lord, we just want to exalt you. We want to lift your name on high. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us this morning just of who you are, your power, your love, your goodness. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you, Lord, and Thank you, Lord, that we can also know today that you are always the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We worship you. We're so thankful for you and what you do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can look to you this morning, Lord. Thank you for the rest, the encouragement, everything good that we can find in you. When we look to you, when we focus on you, when we put our trust in you, Thank you for your tangible presence here today, Lord. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your finished work. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you for reminding us of the truth of your word, of your power. Thank you for who you are. We worship you and be exalted in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you so much, media team. We appreciate you and always wonderful to worship God together, isn't it? Awesome. So my name is Jano. For those of you who don't know me, and I just want to share a, a few things with you this morning. just want to give you an opportunity to give. And I want to read out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where the Bible says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, I am very much aware that this is an Old Testament scripture, and the Bible teaches that we are redeemed from the curses of the law and the curses of the Old Testament through Jesus. But thank God we are not redeemed from the blessings. We can still experience the blessings and that we read about, even in the Old Testament. And we just find a, a wonderful blessing here. And this verse just reminds me that when we put God first, He will always take care of us. I, I think sometimes we're afraid to give because we think if I'm going to give, I'm just going to become more poor. But the Bible reminds us here that when we put our trust in God, when we give and we see Him as our source, He will always take care of us. And God always wants us to have enough and extra, enough for our own needs and extra so that we can give away. But even in the New Testament, we read that one of the things God wants us to continue to increase in is in resources and generosity, to be blessed, to be a blessing. God wants us to be a blessing, but it's also difficult to be a blessing if you're not blessed. So God wants us to be blessed, to be a blessing. But I also like how it just says there, bring the giving of the tithes to the storehouse. So what, what do we find at the storehouse? We find food and, and we keep food at the storehouse, but we also find uh, food there. So this verse also reminds us that we need to give where we are being fed. Not where we are being baked, but where we are being fed and led. So if this church is feeding you spiritually, and if it's providing spiritual food for you, then it is good and biblical for you to give to this church. But thank you so much to all of you who give faithfully. And if you'd like to give today, you can give a cash offering. We have offering boxes available at the back of a the building there. And at the end of the service, you can put an offering in there. And there's also other ways through which you can give. And I believe are displayed on, on the screen now. But thank you again to all of you who faithfully give. And then in a moment, Pastor Steve will come up. He will share the word today. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. So enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Great to be back here um, after a three-week whirlwind around the nation, going to the different Karis Bible colleges, but it's always so good to come back to Now We are so blessed to live here. Amen. I've got a joke for you. This is for the older generation, like me, who don't really comprehend the need for Facebook. Um, 
my Facebook, I have a Facebook profile, but I hardly ever look at it or, or post anything on it. But anyway, presently I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles. Therefore, every day I walk down the street and tell passers-by what I've eaten that day, how I feel, and what I've done the night before, and what I plan to do tomorrow. Then I give them pictures of my family, my dog, my garden, and my, me and my wife at the pool, and I listen to their conversations, and I tell them that I love them. It really works. I already have three piece people following me, two police officers and a psychiatrist. <laughs> the things we do on, say on Facebook we'd never do in real life, eh? I wanted to give you some feedback. In December, we um, spoke about our desire to put an indoor jungle gym upstairs for our kids' vine, and we said that we needed 200,000 rand to purchase that. On the Monday, somebody put 200,000 rand into our account. And so they've already broken open the classroom, and they are waiting for the jungle gym to be delivered, but apparently it's on a ship, and the ship has been delayed because of the war in Ukraine. That's the answer they gave us. So we're still waiting for the jungle gym to arrive, but we'll let you know once that is done. So isn't that good? That's going to be wonderful for our, our kiddies to go and play indoors as well. So we've been doing this series called Foundations. Hasn't it been good? Yes. I mean, I've been watching online, and um, Janu and Dee have done, done such a fantastic job of laying true foundations. I mean, these are doctrinal in terms of what we believe as Christians, and they help us to grow. And that's what he's saying. For you to grow, for you, for you to build anything, you've got to have the right foundations. And, you know, for many people, this might just be something that is revision, but it's so good for you to just get clear in terms of how you, you enjoy your relationship with God and not allow religion and the effects of religion to affect an intimate relationship with God. And that's what he's talking about here in Hebrews chapter 6. So let's read it together in the New American Standard. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. So let me just stop there. It's interesting the language that he's saying here. He's saying these are elementary teachings, yet so many Christians don't even have these elementary teachings. And then he goes and he explains them, press on to maturity. So he's saying this is how we grow. This is how we develop in our walk with God. And then he's saying, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. And D did a, such a marvelous job. You remember the scarf and the repentance from dead works. Says, but how many Christians do we encounter who are still in dead works, thinking that their dead works are gonna get them brownie points with God? Trying to measure up, saying, well, look, look at all the things that I've done. And that's what dead works are. Dead works are all the things that we feel we need to do to get close to God. And he's saying, let's not lay again the elementary teachings of the foundation of repentance from dead works. Change your mind about your works. Your good works can't get you anything from God and your bad works can't disqualify you from anything. And that's what he's saying. These are elementary principles, yet Christians are stuck there. And then he goes on, not laying again a foundation, or we read that, and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings or baptisms and laying on of hands and about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And then um, Janu spoke about the three baptisms and have you enjoyed how practical this is? Because this is also about being baptized in water, but also about being baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you can begin to pray in tongues and have a heavenly language where you're praying spirit to spirit. And the Bible says that there's times when we don't know how we should pray, but we have the Spirit of God that groans within us, and that we begin to pray with mutterings, with a, a language that our mind 
does not understand what we are praying. Yet the Spirit of God knows and we are praying the perfect prayer because we are praying directly from spirit to spirit. And so that's what's so wonderful about going over these things again and then the laying on of hands, that that's what we do as Christians. We lay hands. We lay hands on each other. Some of you need to lay hands on your head <laughs> to get rid of some of the religious nonsense that we have, eh? And that's what he's saying, that when we lay hands on people, there is a promise that when we lay hands, they will recover, they will get well, they will get better. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God within us. Because we have the Word of God and God has exalted His Word together with His name that there is power and authority in the Word of God. That there is power in the name of Jesus. That this, our Christian walk is not powerless. And for many Christians, their Christian walk is powerless, going through the motions, but no intimacy and connection with God and no expectation of his power. And that's why he's saying, listen, these are elementary principles to connect you to the power of God, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that now I'm activating God's power because I believe that his resurrection power is in me. I'm not trying to get it. Ephesians 1.19 says how immeasurable is the power of God toward or in you. You have the power of God in you. I have the power of God in me. The issue is we don't believe it. Yet the same spirit that raised Christ, Romans 8.11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you right now. See, the problem is not God. The problem is our unbelief. God, he says, if he's given Jesus, won't he also give him freely? That same spirit that raised a dead man from hell and the grave, that same spirit of power dwells in you. 1 Timothy says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, we think that we need to do something to get God's power. Yet God has already given you his power. See, and that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning is resurrection power. It's about coming back to the place where we recognize this is about God in me. Where we connected to God who came in the form of his son, Jesus, who went to the grave, rose again on the third day, included you in that resurrection, and then poured out his Holy Spirit. That his Holy Spirit is in you, for you, with you. That you're never forsaken, that you can always be connected to the power of God, where you're living with a sense of expectancy to see his power work. That when you lay hands on the, on the sick, there is an expectation, man, something's gonna happen. Might not happen immediately, but something's gonna happen. When you pray, there is an expectancy, hey, we've prayed, I know something's happening. And that's what resurrection power is. See, the resurrection is the one thing that separates what we have from every other religion on the world, in the world. Because every other religion, somebody died and he's still in the grave. What we have is God himself who came in the form of a man who went to the grave but then rose again. Because there is nothing that could keep him. He is the resurrection and the life. And that's what Jesus said in John chapter 11, 25. Jesus encountering a woman, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. The word resurrection there, the Greek word translated to English means I am stand up power. I'm the power to stand you up again. 
If you've fallen, he is the standard power in you. See, we, we are often wanting our circumstances raised. We want a business deal resurrected or raised. We want a friendship resurrected or raised. We want a marriage resurrected or raised. But Jesus is saying this is not about your circumstances being raised. This is about connecting to him as resurrection power in you to raise you up, to stand you up in the midst of circumstances that might be dead. You still have stand-up power. So I'm not waiting for my circumstances to be resurrected or raised. No, I'm connected to Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm connected to the power of God within me that in the midst of circumstances that might seem dead, I'm still, I've still got stand-up power. I know I'm getting through because there is a power within me that cannot be defeated. There is a power within me that is connected to hope, a confident expectation of good because the living Christ dwells in me. See, and this is so different from religion. This connects me to resurrection realities that I've been made new in Christ and the power of God dwells within me. Can you believe it? That's the question. In 1 Corinthians 15, 13 to 15, it says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. He's saying if we don't connect to the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, what we are preaching and believing is meaningless. See, this was so central to the new believers that just this belief of believing that Jesus rose from the dead, they were willing to die for that. And they did. Their heads were cut off, they were sawn in two, they were put in boiling pots of oil, they were crucified, some of them upside down. Just for the fact that they would believe and confess, Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, the Jews of the time Man, this made them mad. That's why they came up with all sorts of other doctrines. And you see, this is the thing that distinguishes us as Christians, the fact that we believe Jesus rose from the dead. And not only we believe it, we are willing to make a, a confession of it. Are you willing to die for this? Are you willing to die for this? Because early believers were willing to die for this. And this is the creed of new covenant believers. This is the message. Man, we have the living Christ dwelling in us. We believe Jesus rose from the dead, that the grave could not hold him. And that not only did he rise from the dead, he included you and me in that resurrection. And not only did he include you and me in the resurrection, he seated me together with him in heavenly fathers, in, in, in heavenly places next to the Father. See, this distinguishes us from every, everything else because I'm now one with God. So separation from God is an illusion. See, and, and, and this is why we, when we connect it to communion, like we're doing this morning, this is where we persuade our hearts of this reality. This is when I begin to connect to the resurrection power of God that 
if I've been overcome by sin or sickness or disease or whatever it might be, any kind of curse of the law, I believe in my heart that I'm redeemed from that because I have resurrection power in my heart. And it's what happens in my heart that begins to change my circumstances. Always begins in my heart. Amen? So the good news is, if you're tired and worn out, if you're burned out by religion and dead works, man, you can connect to a resurrection reality of Jesus this morning. Because Jesus didn't just offer us an opportunity to go and get counseling for something, not that that's wrong, or to work out a personal plan, not that that's wrong, or bring about change by your individual efforts. Man, it's good to try hard. But Jesus provides us a connection to not be connected to dead works, to things that cause death, but rather to be connected to him as a living person. Amen, take heart. The resurrection is central to what we believe. See, I want to encourage you, there is a great book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. If you want to discover not only the medical facts about Jesus, because some people said, no, Jesus climbed off the cross. It was impossible. What he went through from his beatings to carrying the cross to being crucified on the cross and having a spear stuck in his side into his heart, it's impossible for him to climb off the cross. He was killed, crucified, dead on the cross. And there is medical facts concerning that. Then there are historical witnesses of his resurrection some of which we read in the Bible, but there are also five other historical manuscripts that testify of his resurrection that are not in the Bible, of people who witnessed it and who spoke to first-hand witnesses. Go and, I think there's even a Netflix, Netflix movie called The Case for Christ. Go and watch it. It'll help you in your walk with, walk with God. But the written, witnesses who wrote about it are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, Paul. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 9. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. And here is the creed of the early Christian church that Paul is writing to in the Corinthians. This is what they used to say all the time. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. It was fulfilled in prophecy. He was buried and he was raised from the dead and on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So many eyewitnesses of Jesus and his resurrection. In Acts 1, 1 to 3, Luke writing, he says, for the first account I composed Theopolis about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Many eyewitnesses of the resurrection and there are historical proofs of that resurrection. So why is believing in the resurrection so important? Well, number one, 
His resurrection puts you in right standing with God and secures your eternity. In Romans 1.4, it is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is proof that we have eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 6.14, and God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. It's this confidence that there is a second resurrection. That when you die, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're gonna be raised to see him. See, and that is proof. For many people, I've done many funerals for the unsaved and for the saved. And for the unsaved, when you do a funeral, it's traumatic because the grave is final. And there is a lot of trauma connected to it. Then you do a, a funeral for a believer and there's joy and hope attached to it. Yes, there's sorrow. But the Bible says we do not grieve as though we do not have hope. It's because of the resurrection that there is a hope that I'm gonna see my loved ones again if they believe in Jesus. Amen. There is a security in this. In Romans 10, 5 to 10 in the message, it says Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God, soon discovers it's not so easy. Okay, let's just stop there. I like to say, it's not easy, it's impossible. 633 laws that you have to fulfill, not only in action, but with pureness of heart. So you can't just go through the motions. You have to live according to all of those laws in action and in heart. And then in James, it says, if you break one of them, you're guilty of them all. So if you want to live according to the law, if you wanna bring the law out, then you have to bring out the whole law, live by the whole law with pureness in heart, with pure intent and not miss it ever. Good luck to you. <laughs> and that's why he's saying here, it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. How many Christians who are trying their best, saying, well, I'm a good person. You're not good enough. <laughs> but trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah and no dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. It's the word of faith. It's when we believe that Jesus did this for me. And when I make this confession that Jesus did, that's when God gets to work for me. That's where he makes things right. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. See, this is where the tacky hits the tar. This is where I come and I'm saying, Jesus is my Lord, he's my boss. This is where I'm surrendered to what he has done, not me trying to do. But I'm coming to the place, recognizing and making this confession, Lord, I'm coming, I'm telling you, I'm confessing it, I can't do this. 
But what I am gonna do and confess is that you in me is more than I need. And I'm connecting to his grace and his ability rather than me and my ability. This is the core of our preaching. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Secondly, his resurrection gives me a better life on earth. You know, many, many Christians are just suffering through life. And Jesus came, he said this, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus himself wants you to be connected to an abundant life. What does abundant life look like? Abundant life. Life to the full connected to him. So the resurrection gives me this expectation that I can have a better life here on earth. Let's read this in the message also, Romans 8, 9 to 16. But if God is himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Most people are not adventurously expectant. They're adventurously worried. <laughs> or fearful, or depressed. But he's saying here that when I'm connected to these resurrection realities, that just like the Spirit of God caused a dead man's body to be raised, that same Spirit is within me that I'm connected to, where I'm also living with this expectation that the Spirit of God makes all things new. He raises me up from the dead where I'm experiencing union with him and I have this expectation going, what's next, Papa? What's next for me? I know that you've got good things for me. What's next? And then he confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children, and we know what's going to get, we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. The Spirit of God also wants you to be expectant of a better life here, not just suffer through life. Amen? Amen. 
his resurrection also gives us a new and better covenant. The new covenant is established on better promises. Amen? So I can have an expectation that the promises work now based on Jesus, not based on me, because he's the testator, he's the one who wrote the new will, and he included you as a benefactor of this will. Go and find out what's in your will. It's life-changing, the New Testament. It changes you from the inside out. In 2 Corinthians 5.15 in the message, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. And then what's also so good about this New Testament, the New Covenant, it's not fault-finding. See, the Old Covenant found fault with you. In the new covenant, it's not fault finding. Okay, let me give you an example. If you're driving down the road, you're minding your own business, and you know the guy in the blue uniform stops you and asks you to come to the side. You wind down your window, what does he ask for? License. What does he do with your license? He examines it. Are you the driver? Is it still valid? Then he takes a lucky little trap around the car and he checks your tires. He asks you to put the lights on, indicators left and right. Then he walks around, check if you've got another side mirror because often I don't. Then he gets to the back of the car, put your brake lights on, left indicator, right indicator. What's he examining for? He's examining for fault because he wants to fine you. The law is there to examine you, to find fault with you. But when I go to a medical professional, if I go to a dentist, if I go to a doctor, when they examine me, they're not examining me to find fault, to give me a fine. They examine me to bring healing. And Jesus is the great physician. When he comes, he's examining, where are you hurting? Because I wanna bring healing. I wanna bring restoration. I wanna bring redemption. Because that's the difference between the old and the new. The old examines to find fault. The New Testament examines you to show you that you're approved. The New Testament examines you to show you who you really are, a child of God, accepted, one with God, with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. And that's what's wonderful about resurrection power. Connecting to resurrection power means that I'm no longer judging myself according to the old. I'm judging myself according to the fact that I died and my life has been resurrected with Christ. See, and that's what connects me to New Testament realities where I'm connected to the power of God. See, this New Testament, the, the old covenant was not merciful. The New Testament is merciful. In Hebrews 8, 12, he says, I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoings and I will remember their sins no more. In the New Testament, I will be merciful to you in your wrongdoings. How many of you did wrong this week? Any hands? Okay. Some are waving at me like. <laughs> and notice what he says, I will be merciful to them. In the New Testament, Man, it's so wonderful where I'm in this place where God, God can be merciful to me in my wrongdoings. When I've done wrong and their sins I will remember no more. 
See, what hinders a, an intimate relationship with God is the law. It drives me from God because I believe that the law is investigating me, showing me where I found fault. And that's what the law is designed to do, to show you you can't do it. In the New Testament, it's, I'm connected to intimacy with God because I know he's not dealing with me according to my sins. In Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. In Hebrews 4.16 in the message it says, let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. If you need help, man, he's merciful to you. And that's why we have communion. Communion persuades our hearts of this New Testament reality of resurrection power that dwells in us. Separation from God. If you're a believer, separation from God is an illusion. It's not true. You're believing a lie. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So why don't you take out your communion elements and let's practice the sacrament of the early church that has been going on for 2,000 years where I'm reminded of what Christ did through his broken body, that he, he took away every curse, every obstacle. He's redeemed me from it. He has healed me. And then with his blood, we partake of the blood. Can I ask the worship team to come up? If you don't have communion elements, why don't you just slip up your hand? Someone will get to you. People over here in the back. People over there on the right-hand side. Just keep your hand up until somebody gets to you. Someone over there. There's some people over here as well. Someone over there. You can take out your wafer and let's partake of communion together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you this morning for your broken body. That on your body you took our sin, you took poverty, you took sickness, you took punishment, you took judgment. You took wrath on your body, your broken body, Lord. And you've said that it's because of your broken body that you took our pains, our suffering. You took our troubles, our worries. You took the weight of the world upon your body and your body was broken that we can have an expectation of healing, redemption, restoration. And so we thank you for your broken body and we partake in remembrance of you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. Lord, there is life in the blood, Lord. And Jesus, you said that as we drink of this blood, we're being established in the new covenant. That it's your blood that forgives us. Your blood has brought peace. Your blood 
washes us clean. Your blood saves us from wrath. Jesus, we thank you that you shed every last drop of blood to redeem and rescue us, Lord. And we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. Thank you for giving of yourself. If you feel like you've been limited by circumstances or relationships or people, as a worship team, sing this song right now. Can I ask you just to let go of those limitations, those hindrances, those obstacles, and connect to resurrection power this morning. Jesus is your stand-up power this morning. Thank you, worship team. was a wretch, I remember who I was, I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time, sin separated, the breach was far too wide, from the far side of the chasm, you had me standing there in the corner, I just felt that this was a word for somebody this morning. God just saying, 
to someone this morning, I've missed you. He misses you. He misses your friendship. He misses the intimacy that He wants you to experience with Him. He misses you. The closeness, He hasn't gone anywhere. He misses you. He loves you. He loves you. Don't allow what you've done or not done to hinder you from experiencing the love of your Father. He loves you. Don't disqualify yourself. Jesus qualified you. Jesus is all you need. He's made the way open for you. Come back to your Father. Just come back to Him. Let Him love you. He's washed you clean. Won't you stand to your feet? Maybe you're standing here this morning, if I could ask you just to close your eyes, no one looking around. If you've come here this morning, maybe you know about God, but you've never ever made that confession, Jesus is Lord. See, this is where the tacky hits the tar. This is about making Jesus Lord of your life and making a confession that He is Lord. If that's you this morning, you know in your heart you've never ever made Jesus Lord of your life. You know about God, but you've never made Him your Lord. He's inviting you into a relationship with Him where He takes your cares and your burdens and your worries and He becomes the boss of your life. If you're standing here, you've never ever made Jesus Lord of your life, but you just sense the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, today's the day. Well, today is a day of salvation. He brought you here this morning so that you could receive Him. So I wanna pray for you. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you to the front, but I do wanna lead you in a prayer. So if you'd like me to pray for you this morning, you say, yes, Steve, I wanna make Jesus Lord. Just slip up your hand quickly so I can see you with no one looking around. Thank you. 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 You can put your hands down again. Can we pray with those who put up their hands or those that wanted to this morning, just as to encourage them as they begin to make Jesus Lord this morning. So if you put up your hand or wanted to, why don't you just pray after me? Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you are Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for living in me. Thank you that my sins are washed away and I'm made righteous. Thank you for adopting me as your child. And thank you for loving me with an unconditional love. In Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you that there is much rejoicing in heaven this morning as hands have gone up and people's hearts have responded to you, Father. And I thank you, Father, that all eternity is rejoicing. 
And Lord, we join with those who've celebrated this morning, who we're celebrating with this morning, who've surrendered to you and to your Lordship, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. For those of you who did put up your hands or wanted to, please can I ask you to go to my right-hand side. There you'll see a green sign. What now with Simon there in a red and white shirt? Waves for Simon. He'd love to give you that book this morning just to help you in your walk with Jesus. It's for free. And for those of you who came for the first time, don't forget to go to the welcome table. And always remember, you are highly favored and deeply loved of God. We have a ministry team that would love to pray with you if you'd like some prayer this morning. So please feel free to come to the front. God bless you. Have a week filled with His resurrection power. God bless you. the